guys, welcome to this episode of the Crack Brain Podcast. Uh, recording this uh, pretty much the morning that you guys are going to get this episode. A uh, um, few things happened last night that I wasn't able to get back to be able to record this. Uh, so yeah, it's kind of coming to you uh, a little bit later than usual. That's going to be kind of the first of a few changes. Um, so rather than getting these episodes in the morning, I'm going to actually kind of play around with um, getting you guys uh, these these episodes uploaded, uh, uploaded a little bit later in the day, uh, more towards like 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, because um, that seems to kind of work out a little bit better for some people. Um, so yeah, I hope you guys like that. If not, feel free to go and uh, send me a comment, send me uh, a message. Um, what times kind of work a little bit better for you guys. But um, yeah, just sort of uh, making some changes as far as most of our content that you guys are going to be seeing over the next little bit. Um, so uh, a few updates before we get started into this week's episode. I'll start first with Patreon. Um, I definitely want to thank everyone that's clicked on to uh, the Crack Brain Patreon. Uh, everything that you guys do helps us out. Um, and for those of you that aren't aware, Patreon is kind of another way that uh, you can get extra content that we're producing. Um, it is, you know, a, a slight bit of kind of like a, a tip uh, to be able to help us out. So uh, I want to go and thank uh, the Patreon subscribers that we have so far. Uh, there's Adam Bombody, Brandon Peck. George Alcoser, Miles Cortez, uh, Sammy LeMay, and Susan Mitchell. Thank you guys so much uh, for um, for everything that you've been able to go and do. Uh, we've got more things uh, heading over to you guys. And speaking of that, we actually have changed up a little bit of our Patreon roles. Uh, so feel free for everyone to go check that out. Um, if, uh, if you guys want to, you can find that patreon.com slash uh, cracked brain or if you just go onto our website you'll see like a little pop-up that uh, will kind of come up and direct you straight over to the patreon page uh, so a lot of things are about to start happening there and uh, the the best way to go and find out about some of the the newer projects that we're going to be working on is to sign up so yeah uh, to go from Patreon to um, some exciting news that we have right now is that uh, Crackbrain has officially signed on to be an affiliate of uh, Pop Culture Convention. Uh, it's a uh, it's a, an event that happens usually right around um, April and May uh, out over here, more towards Utah County. Um, but we've signed on to be an affiliate with them um, to be able to kind of uh, work together. Uh, provide some more content and you know just sort of make that con even bigger and better than what it was uh, so you'll be seeing updates uh, from us over the next year uh, you'll see links feel free to go and use those links um, at the moment uh, ticket sales for popcon haven't gone haven't gone live but when they do uh, there'll be a link on the website feel free to go and click through that use crack brain um, in the promo code and that will kind of help kick things back a little bit for us um, so we're really looking forward to that one uh, the the next event that they have is actually later on this month um, the details will be over on the 
uh, will be over on the website. But uh, it's a small Halloween event going on over at Provo, uh, Provo Town Mall. Um, really fun. I know Brandon and Carly will be out there as cosplay judges. Uh, and you might see a few of us kind of walking around and, and helping out. Uh, if you all want, there's a few more days. If you are an artist or a creative or something where you'd like a vendor booth space, um, they are providing those at a very, very reasonable uh, rate. Uh, you've got about two more days to be able to submit for that. And if you uh, put Cracked Brain in the referral box, which it's like a little drop down uh, button, um, then. Uh, uh, a little bit of that kind of comes back over to us. So again, another way to kind of help us out and uh, you know and help support us in and uh, as we grow. All right, uh, and from there, uh, just a quick little um, quick little message. So uh, I made a post about it earlier this excuse me earlier this week, um, but there were some really kind of funky things that happened uh, with our website client. Um, we're trying to work through that as best we can, uh, but what wound up happening is, is a lot of, um, of subscribers to the podcast uh, were dropped. So we're trying to go and do what we can to be able to go and get those back. So if you are hearing this, make sure that uh, wherever you normally get your, your, uh, your podcast from, make sure that you guys are still uh, subscribed, whether that's through the RSS feeds or if that's through the actual uh, app or program that you're using. Um, all of them work just as well, but uh, you know, feel free to go on and just sign on straight through the CrackBrain website. That's probably the best and easiest way, and there'll always be a download option as well. So um, yeah, sorry for that little hiccup. We're trying to go and work through that. Um, but hopefully you guys, uh, you guys come on back and stick around with us. Uh, that's about good for the announcements for now. There, there are some other things that are in the works. We're not quite ready to go and, um, announce those just yet. Um, but you'll be hearing about them very, very soon, uh, over these next couple of months. So, uh, now that those are done, let's actually get into this week's episode. Uh, so this is the first episode in a line of... Um, recordings that were done with Snake River Fandom Con. So this episode that you're going to get, um, I think first we start out with uh, Crit Killin, who's a fantastic uh, FX, uh, FX creator um, that is actually local to Utah. Found a lot of people local to Utah while out there. Um, but he's a professor out over at UVU. And uh, I got the chance to be able to sit down, pick his brain about uh, films and some of the different things that he's worked on in the past. Really awesome guy. I know you guys are going to love that. Um, that's the first recording you're going to hear. And then it's going to kind of drop down for a bit and come back up. And then the next episode is actually with um, Tangle, who is the, the kind of overseer of Snake River Fandom Con. And then uh, on, uh, on that same recording... Um, Richard Ian Cox uh, is actually the other person. Um, I that that all these interviews, uh, people just sort of sat down in my chair, which I wasn't really planning on recording much there, but they just sort of sat down the chair and just started talking and, and going forward. Um, for those of you that 
that might not know, Richard Ian Cox was actually the voice of uh, Inuyasha um, and so many more, uh, so many more different uh, voices that we'd all recognize. So, um, yeah, so you can kind of hear me about halfway through start to realize exactly who I'm talking to. Um, it's actually kind of, it, it was kind of funny for me to kind of go back over and re-listen to that. So uh, both both recordings, a lot of fun. I've really been looking forward to being able to get this out. Um, so really look forward to these ones. The next uh, the next one you'll hear will be a little bit more kind of like just uh, the regular attendee uh, recordings. And then after that, we've, <laughs> we've got a, a, an episode that I know I've been hinting to. It was only supposed to be 15 minutes. It wound up turning into like an hour plus. So really looking forward to that one as well. So uh, yeah, I hope that you guys enjoy this of the first um, the first round of Snake River Fandom Con episodes. And we are actually finally now recording. So oh, I totally forgot to turn that one off. Okay, perfect. So Crit, thank you so much for joining me over on the Crack Brain Podcast, which I I will say I've seen you kind of like walk up and down the aisles a few times just sort of going by. <laughs> right? <laughs> A friend just walked up. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> that is, I think that's happened legitimately every single time I've turned this thing on. Really? People just yeah. walk by and like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, that's actually the uh, the actor. He's a voice actor, working mm-hmm. uh, to Worky the Chocobo or Worky Nunez. Nice. Anyway, he's the one who actually introduced me to this whole con world. Yeah. Comic-Con and fandom con world. So, I mean, I just, I've worked in the movie industry for 40 years and mm-hmm. I, I kind of knew a little bit about this, but not really. But then he said, oh, you've, you're the kind of person that needs to come and talk to people. So yeah. I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll come and talk. And I had no idea that this world existed where, I mean, I, I, I didn't know you called it cosplay. I knew people dressed up and stuff. But, I mean, it's just opened my eyes to just an amazing, I mean, it's just an amazing world. And, that, and what's cool is that so much of what we did years ago is really lost now with CGI. Yeah. I mean, it's like a wooden ships, you know. I mean, can someone build a sailing ship today? I mean, <laughs> probably not. I mean, how do you do that? And so, all those things that we did before computers, because everything had to be made, every single prop, every single everything, effect, explosion, was all made with a rubber band or a glue gun or something. Right? Yeah. And now, so much of that, you don't need to do it. And so, what I love is that with cosplay and these uh, uh, fandom cons and comic cons type thing. People are building their own costumes. They're doing for fun or for what you know all the, the the fulfilling reasons that people do it, and you guys do it. They're doing what we were doing as a job that nobody wanted anymore. You didn't want that job anymore because now you do a CGI. Right. Now you're doing it, and you're keeping it alive, and you're you're asking old timers like me, "Hey, what did you do? How did you do this? How did you make a shoulder pad back then?" Or, I mean. The very first lasers that we made were latex. Literally, we would make, we would pour no out way. liquid latex with a fluorescent type uh, paint in it. You know, we'd mix a, a water-based yeah. paint in latex. We would pour it out on a mirror, pour a long strip, and then we would stretch that. When it dried, you'd peel it off, and you'd have kind of like a rubber band. We would stretch it as far as it would stretch, right? <laughs> then we would actually film it in reverse. We would have the camera running in it. You know, we'd fil- you'd film yeah. it in reverse. And then you let go of one end of it, right? Well, it would come flying back like a rubber band does. Now you play the film forward, and you have a laser beam shooting out. Is that That's ridiculous? insane. That's how far back, uh-huh, unfortunately, that's how far back I go. 
But that's how much we've progressed. It's that is just not even in a student film would you do something so archaic nowadays, right? No, I mean, I, you know, sitting here, all I'm thinking of is like, okay, I would love to be able to go and do that, but how much, like, how many people are going to sit there and go, oh, well, that's just corny. Now I'm look, I'm thinking back to some of the older films I that yeah. I've loved growing up. I'm like, this now makes a lot more sense. Buck okay. Rogers or yeah. some of those old, yeah. That's how. That's a lot of way. And so then, of course, you could, you know, you can paint each frame to sort of lighten that up or brighten mm-hmm. it or put a little halo around it. But that meant painting every single frame of that shot. You'd have to go in and, you know, put the actual work into actual it. work. That's why they are all jumpy sometimes when mm-hmm. you see an effect like that because each frame you can't really make it be the same. No. So. Yeah, I mean, just a bullet shot. I mean, you know, a lot of people still do this somewhat, I would think, in theater. But a bullet, you know, like shoot you in the head. I mean, we would you'd put blood on your forehead, and then you put a button with a string, a button like off your shirt, yeah, with a string tied to it. Then you put nose wax over that button to blend into your face, and then when you got shot, someone just yanked the, st- the thread and pulled the button out through the nose wax. And I'm that do- was a bullet hit. I am so doing this. I am so Dude, doing this. Yeah, right? Simple. Oh and you can do it. But there were just so many little things like that that we would do. I mean, the mold process for making casting, you know, different, what we called an appliance. An appliance, mm-hmm. something that you apply to your face or something. Yeah. But when we made Predator, um, we actually had this huge advance when we did Predator in the mold making. Predator was so big. I mean, that was, uh, what was his name? Michael Dean something or something. Anyway, he was like 7'2 or 7'4. I mean, he was just a gigantic guy. But he was like a a trained dancer. And, I mean, the guy was just (laughs) eloquent, right? But he was still really huge. So we make the Predator monster that he's – and we need to make it and he a suit, and he's going to put that suit on. Normally, when you make – you would sculpt it out of clay. Yeah. You'd make a plaster mold of it, right? And, I mean, people still do that Yeah, they still do that. Right? Well – that would have probably weighed two tons. It would probably been two tons worth of plaster to make that mold. Yeah. It was so gigantic because he was so tall. We decided to make it out of fiberglass, which the reason you use plaster, or one of the main reasons you use plaster is it's hydroscopic. So it mm-hmm. sucks the moisture out of the foam when you put the foam in there. Or latex, is, it sucks the moisture out. Well, fiberglass doesn't suck any moisture out because it's, you know, that's why they make yeah. boats out of it, right? Well. So what we did was we, we, we took a chance, we made it all out of fiberglass, and then we baked it at half the temperature for twice as long, and we were able to achieve that same effect. And I have a picture of my, uh, my business partner. He's holding the Predator mold over his head by himself, where normally we were going to have to get a forklift to move that mold around. So, oh my you know, God. maybe most people aren't interested in that, but, man, when you really just – I just think about all those techniques and – things that we pioneered and did that just are just gone like Blade Runner they're like 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 tears in the rain <laughs> they're gone man you, you can't be killing me with oh, those good lines you mean quit killing you <laughs> oh, oh hello we're doing it on this podcast baby we're doing it <laughs> I love Oh my god, see now here it's like hearing this because you know, it is true as a cosplayer we're we're always looking back at all these different techniques that a lot of you know a lot of movie makers are always doing with CG and we go like well we can't do that at right. a con you know so we need to make this practical you know yeah. that's why for me as much as I, I wish that I I loved more horror movies because they use a lot more practical effects over inside yeah. horror movies but 
I still look back at some of these older movies and I go like, oh my God, I want to know how they did that. Yeah. You know, the, the amount of times where it's like I actually sat there and tried figuring out exactly the way they would melt the face from, uh, mm-hmm. it's like from Indiana Jones. And I'm just sitting there like, how, how, how? And then when I learned, it's like, oh, it's, it's candle wax. Right. Oh, you know, and and it all <laughs> makes it. sense exactly. But I mean, think about the skill it took to sculpt that. You know, the sculpting. And obviously, exactly. we have right. And I mean, we have just as skilled craftsmen doing it with Photoshop and Maya and whatever they're using. You know, today. But um, but for someone to sit and sculpt that out of wax, because wax isn't usually your chosen medium. You know, it's clay or whatever it's, it is. And, it, it's wily. It's, it's amazing. And then to paint on top of wax and then to get it to melt. And now, now you've made it, you've you, you've melted it, and the camera had a hair in the gate. Exactly. Right? Okay, let's do it again. Well, that, that We don't have that one. We, yeah, now we got to, maybe if you are if you were smart enough to make a mold, cast mm-hmm. it again, repaint it all over again. you got to paint it, match it, all that stuff. And now hopefully we... We, we uh, melt it and it takes. Hopefully everything's good with the camera. Hopefully the lighting's good. Hopefully everything works and you oh get it. And it was, well, here's another one too. When you shoot a gun with a film camera, when you shoot a gun, you know, you have a shutter and that shutter's spinning around. You can have 180 shutter, let's say. So half, it's open half the time and closed half the time. Yeah. Well, when you shoot a gun, if you shoot it and the, and the, and the, 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 the shutter is closed... Right, you don't get the flash out of the end of the muzzle. We don't worry about that now because digital takes everything. Yeah. But in the beginning, any kind, any time we did any kind of shooting scene, a cop running or a cowboy or something, you had to you had to ask the cameraman, "Did you see the flash?" Because if the cameraman sees the flash, the camera mm-hmm. didn't. That's the way. The shutter when the shutter's closed, that's when when you can see. When it's open, taking recording the picture, that's when the cameraman you don't see it, so yeah. you don't have that light, right? So if the cameraman ever saw any shots, we had to shoot it again because it meant you did not get the flash. No. So you cannot time that. You cannot outguess it. It's just all random. And so we would shoot sometimes scene after scene after scene because you didn't shoot. You didn't get the flash. Yeah. And it was hard back then to go in and say, well, nowadays we just go add a flash in there. Super simple. But back then, it was a big process, or a bigger process. Yeah. You know? Just like credits, you know. used to ha- It cost money to make credits because you had to set up and, type, not, not typeset, but like, you know, you had to set up and do it, and exactly. you had to actually film each name to oh create the credits. God. People don't even think about that. You oh just type them in God. now. Okay, you know, uh, this person did this, this person did that. But back then, you actually had to create credits. And so... Same thing like with the Flash. People don't understand how tremendously wonderful it really is today, and yet some of us old timers are going. But there's a there's some sort of essence that's that's lost. That's lost in yeah. that. Yeah. Some well, it's even even as far as you know, like now, especially with the internet, everyone is so hypercritical of every single right. movie that comes. Oh, they didn't do this. They didn't do that. And I think a lot of it is because people don't understand how difficult. It is to make a movie in general, right? Yet, you still look back at you know at films, especially that came out. In my opinion, that came up before like 1992, mm-hmm. you know. And there's a lot more work that went in, and right. people have a hard time actually going like, "Well, they could have done." It's like, no, no, no. 
it's a miracle this ever even happened. Exactly. Right? It's a exactly. miracle that a movie ever comes out. It's it was and it really I mean when I look back on it, it is exactly like that. How did we actually pull all those pieces together? Mm-hmm. Uh, Nightmare Nightmare on Elm Street three when we did that. That's where Freddie. Oh that's where Freddie became was the big snake and he ate yeah. Arquette right. Well, when we made that snake, I mean, so one guy sculpted it. We made the mold of it and cast it, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Gave it a preliminary paint job, and then, you know, then everyone else comes in and touches up. Everybody has a yeah. job. But then it had to be married with its mechanics. So then all the mechanical structure had to go inside of it. And, I mean, and then you've got to get it to work and to munch and to get yeah. advance itself forward while it's supposedly eating the actress. I mean, how did all of that stuff I don't know how we. I don't know how it did it, but it was kind of like. Well, I invented a word for this. Okay, I forgot. <laughs> it. I invented a word for this because I have thought about this phenomenon over the years. I call it presentism. Yeah, and probably somebody smart. There is a word for it, but presentism is looking at the past through the eyes of the present. That's okay. my definition, right? So I'm going. You know, think about people back in the cowboy days. It's like, oh my gosh, they had to get up and bake bread and, you know, but to them it was just part of their life and routine. And it's like, how in the world could they do that? And covered wagons and all that. But that was just their life. And so I don't think we really thought about it as far as like, when I look at it now, I'm thinking, I don't know how all those pieces came together and how you made everything fly and everything work. But it was just, I guess, part of our life. It was just something we woke up to and said, there's nothing better than stop motion. So, yeah. in fact, stop motion is the pinnacle. It's the it's the greatest thing ever. So when Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back, you know, when the four foot walkers come or when he's riding the tauntauns, that was the pinnacle of moving an inanimate object. That was today's CGI. And so we didn't sit there and go, oh man, I wish there was some other pro. I mean, you did. I wish there was some other way yeah. to make something move. But that was you just you tried to become this great animator. Yeah. You know, stop motion animators. And I I I also want to say that's one of the reasons why so many so many films, at least you know, I, I'm thinking back to were always so interesting in the with the way that they were shot because it was like it had to be done a very specific way and it was lucky if it happened whereas now it's like oh well i'll just move the 3d image and yeah right. i've got my angle yep you know and how many things of like it doesn't you know now we sit there and go like well i mean it kind of doesn't need to look that great because it's going to be nothing irritates me more than quick cuts yeah. a million quick cuts so the amount of times like oh yeah well that doesn't need to look good. Okay, well, clip, 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 clip. clip. Where it's before, looking back right. at some of these old, these older films, like no, we worked on this. We're going to make sure every last bit of this art is inside yeah. there. So just scenes are drawn out, and it requires people to act more. It requires right. everything to look better. It's, Yo, you're absolutely oh right, and I argue, or people argue with me about that, but it, it's really true. I was talking, well, I went to Sundance, and I went to a, a panel or symposium, yeah. whatever it's called, and it was a guy from Kodak, and he said, and his he led off with this statement, it's actually cheaper to shoot in film than it is to shoot in video. And yeah, it, yeah and everybody in the audience goes, ah, oh, you're full of it, there's no way. And he went on to explain, the pro- and, and, and the, what he was saying is exactly what you're saying, is that when you only had 35 pictures on a roll of film, you didn't just start taking pictures. You didn't do selfies and take pictures no. of just all these goofy things because you only had 35 shots. When we were shooting in film, which is why people are going back to it, Tarantino and stuff, mm-hmm. when we shot things in film, it's exactly what you just said. 
We had to plan that shot. We had to rehearse that shot. You had to know we're not going to fix it in post because it's more expensive to fix it in post exactly. than it is to just get it right in the first place. So you had people thinking about what their shots were, planning what their shots were. Everybody was in sync. The guy that was blowing smoke, he had to be on time every time. And the guy that was holding the the, the branch with the leaf on it and want, needed to shake it when the actress walks by, he was on time. Everybody was this was a symbiotic yeah. force to create an amazing piece of art. And when that camera rolled, everybody did their thing. And it was it was like an orchestra. It, I mean, you can see me, our listeners can't, but I have goosebumps right now, right? Yeah. <laughs> thinking, of, thinking back on how magical that process really was. And today, they don't even use a light meter because the camera, your, your phone or your, you know, your, your digital uh, DSLR has it in there. Yeah. And they just turn and start shooting and start filming. When we would set up and layer, so I would, I would put a light meter on you, on mm -hmm. your face. I'd put a light meter on that chair behind you yeah. here in this hall. And I'd put it on the curtain behind that. And we would make sure that all of those layers were exactly the way we, the director envisioned it looking. Now we just take the picture. Right? But that's why those older films have depth, real depth, and you feel the emotion from a scene. Mm -hmm. It's because emotion was put into it and planning was put into it. And that's what I want to see us come back to. We'll never go back to stop motion as a primary thing. It'll become its own art form. <laughs> It'll be an art form where, hey, let's use stop motion. Like, hey, let's make this a watercolor. Yeah. Or, hey, let's do the wood sculpture. So it'll never come back like that. But, um, you know, all those things will be around. I want to see today's filmmakers have that kind of, you know, slow down a little bit and have that kind of care, you know, create a scene that, wow, I don't know why, it's just it's just a lady walking through a store, but for whatever reason, it moves you. Yeah. You know, I want that kind of care and love back into our filmmaking. Yeah, like, hearing you talk about that, seriously, I started going getting goosebumps because I started thinking back to, okay, so my all-time favorite movie and favorite scene, favorite movie is The Sting. My favorite scene is the poker scene. Yeah. Okay, and how much... There's hardly any words ever said, but, you know, it's like, it's like you've got Newman sort of just kind of like looking yeah. over his shoulder and just there's so much depth conveyed, and yet it wasn't quick cuts. There's right. a lot of scenes inside there that 15, 20 seconds long, mm. and they're gripping. And they're you gripping. Know? Oh, my God. Okay, <laughs> I'm trying to calm down right now. I really am. <laughs> oh my god! I just, I can't, I can't fathom why. Like, okay, yes, with the ease of technology, you know, everyone goes like, okay, well, let's go to the next thing, you know. But that has always been kind of my craw as far as I want to see someone emote and I want to see the right. actual scene itself have its own personality. And yeah, you're right. No, seeing that we've gotten away with that, yeah, things. It's why I think right now a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of people focus on like, oh, well, that shot looked nice. Mm -hmm. It's like the CGI was great, but you don't really get much past that, you know. Right. It's, I, I'm trying to think of the last time that a movie made me cry that it wasn't supposed to make me cry because <laughs> I used to be a blubbering mess at every movie growing up. Yeah. Now, not so much. <laughs> not so much, yeah. yeah. And. Uh, you said that in that in what you were just saying there. You said, "Oh, okay, the CGI was okay." Well, the fact that we had to to call out, or the fact that we called out, yeah, I saw there was CGI in there. Mm -hmm. That's part of the problem. We tried to always make it to where you didn't know it's a miniature. 
You did not realize it was a miniature. And so the fact that we go, oh, how was the movie? Oh, it was really good. I mean, the CGI was good in it. It means we're seeing all the elements. Yeah. We don't want to see the elements. You know, I don't, when I drive a car, you drive a car, we don't think about 10 and 2. We don't think about, okay, we just naturally, it just flows for us. And that's what I think, you know, we, we, are kind of coming back around to get to and I mean there's some great mm-hmm. filmmakers today and great films but and of course I talk Blade Runner and someone's going to just shoot me for saying <laughs> it but but I mean the original Blade Runner and the one now I mean the one now of course it's gorgeous and there's mm-hmm. all wonderful things to talk about it but there were things that you know when you were there in the beginning and then you see the one today you you go oh that we would have never done that that would never have been yeah. allowed that you know whatever it is and and so and that was my, it, when i first started that was my first movie so i wasn't as involved as as i later became in films i mean that was mm-hmm. i was trying not to get you know yelled at or fired <laughs> or something i was just a kind of a snot-nosed kid in college but but the design that went into that um it was and i'm sure like i said i know they did it on the second one as well i mean it was it was i'm sure a masterpiece and it is but there were distinct things that you could see that if you were any time at all on the first one that the second one it just i mean as great as you know as yeah. great as it was i mean it was it was amazing what they did yeah. but there were certain things that just still just still in that image just in that image, it just exactly. wasn't there. Exactly. Well, it's like even thinking back, you know, thinking to Blade Runner, the fact that even though it was supposed to be still in the future, how mm-hmm. grounded it felt. Right. You know, it just nothing seemed too fantastical. You'd sit there and go, okay, you know, the, the odds are we could go and get to that. And now that we're a little bit closer, you sit there and kind of look back and like, they didn't go fantastical, you know, in the way right. of complete misbelief in science fiction. But it's like, I think that's one of the reasons why it holds true. And then also looking back where the gradient on, on Blade Runner, I'm assuming, but was like darker, browns, grays, and everything, uh-huh. where it wasn't these huge lighting effects. It was like, no, let's keep this somewhat noir type feel to it. Let's right. let people kind of let it breathe. and. It's, on my opinion, it's the reason why you can still tell someone, Blade Runner, you're going to watch it. It's probably the best movie that you will ever see in your life. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I agree. And, and, I mean, there was just huge amount of miniatures, you know, the buildings and stuff. And so with miniatures, and I know they did, they did a lot of that on the second one as well. But I know that the miniatures in the first one, I mean, they were, I mean, when I say miniature, they were... 12, 15 feet, the buildings were, you know, you had had to get on a ladder to work on the top of them. And so, but it allowed you to actually set up an actual atmosphere and an actual distance. I mean, it wasn't like we did, well, you always do forced perspective on that, but I'm saying it wasn't like it was a, a, a generated image or had one or two maybe live action pieces and then the rest of it was a projected image or CGI or something. I mean, it was, for the most part, I mean, it, the, the depth of that, it was building after building after building, so you actually put smoke in between all those buildings. You're actually getting what you would get in a real city way, way. That's why in bl- the first Blade Runner, you can look, look at just look at it. When the blimp goes by or something, you can see way, way down the road yeah. or down way. There's buildings way off in the distance. And I mean, it, a lot of it gets easier to fake the farther you get, but uh, farther away you get, you can you can do more flat images that you set out there. But they were still um, they were still some type of physical entity that 
smoke had to swirl around and stuff. And that's why it looks, you can see much farther in the distance. The new one, it is beautiful, but they have so much smoke that it clouds that distance, being able to see way away. Exactly. And so I didn't get the feeling as much like you're saying that, I mean, I, I, it was believable. I mean, it was mm-hmm. good and believable. But yeah, that first one, like you say, it has just held itself and held up because everything, I believe, most everything was tangible. It was a tangible piece, a prop of some sort. Oh, my God. Just wonderful. I love, now, one of the things I'm, I'm actually very, very curious about, because as someone that's slowly starting to kind of peek their head a little bit more into the film, you know, film genres and whatnot, how much discussion was actually held between, you know, you as, it's like you as an effects artist and then, you know, the cinematographer, and, and whatnot, because now it always seems like, oh, okay, well, everyone does their job separately, and then, you know, hopefully it makes sense, whereas, I don't know, I kind of get this feeling like you all always had to go and confer with each other, like, I'm planning on doing this, can you do this with it? Right, no, that is exactly how it's done, <sighs> and, it, and, and I mean, that's why you have an art director, a production designer, and stuff, and so the cinematographer, you know, he'll come on usually because of what his talent is or how he shoots something and then the art director they'll they'll get in sync to what they want then then the production designer and then they'll design things according to what the 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 DP is wanting and the director is wanting and then it comes down to getting to making it then you make it and you're making that vision so you're making truly the vision of the director and the DP and how they shoot it but you will be three or four people removed a lot of time from that and so it makes it even harder because it's like we're trying to actually design for this guy who really is maybe himself three steps away, you know. So yeah, it, yeah. So then a lot of times things will show up. Predator, I mean, Predator's the famous one. I mean, uh, Steve Johnson did a tremendous job designing the original one. It was awesome, right? Um, it. Uh, I don't know if it was totally scary, but what was great about it is that the Predator walked. It had a, what is it called? A dog leg, where your the leg is actually backwards, like yeah, a dog. Yeah. Right? So that's the way the original Predator was. <laughs> Iron Man just punched me in the back. <laughs> but um, that's the way the original Predator was. And, and he had, and I thought it was brilliant. It was awesome, right? But how does that actor walk around in a jungle on stilts, you know, where it's very steep? And how does he run around in the trees and exactly. stuff? Exactly. And so in the end, it's it's the vision of the director but and, and the cinematographer, but then in the end, it's like, wow, that's not really what I, I guess, I guess that's not what I wanted. Yeah. And you're like, well, dude, I just spent six months building that. <laughs> you know? So actually in Predator, we had that creature and then it, they took a year off, part because of funding, but partly because the creature looked so bad that we put out there and it had to redo it and redo it and redo it to well, it finally came, you know, to what we know today. And, you know, Stan, Win- I mean, everybody kind of put in and then Stan Winston polished it off yeah. uh, to make it look that incredible thing with the mandibles and the hair i mean it was you know steve wang did a ton of it and he did all the painting on it that just made it look out of this world but but yeah you're trying to interpret something from you know that this person's trying to explain Mm -hmm. to you and a lot of times may not be able to explain it to you you know i mean you know i mean i know what i know what kind of thing i'm looking for i think but maybe i don't know until i see it so yeah but for us it was fun because you get paid to build it they don't like it yeah you're kind of mad at first but then we're going to pay you to build it over yeah, so. it's like we're, we're right. going to build another one but great yeah <laughs> i'll come in tomorrow and start building the new one so, right yeah it was really yeah yeah but it was like i say that is happening today that was 
an incredible process because you're it's a hands-on thing mm -hmm. today that same thing's happening you're just doing it on the computer screen and it's like no that's not that uh, doesn't look scary and put horns on it and so instead of going out and sculpting some horns or yeah. sanding a horn down you just you know you draw a horn and then you exactly. you know you pop whatever you do to you know in a yeah. 3d 3d model a horn and put it on there so yeah it's, I, i'm really genuinely hoping that things kind of now bring back into that it's like okay no let, let's let's actually bring things back over to practical let's get yeah. some of these skills back because yes computers allow us to do so many things but they don't allow you to do everything and when this is supposed to be a performance let's let the performance right. be the performance yeah exactly <laughs> well fortunately we still have tarantino uh, and and what he's doing so he's shooting film i don't know on everything but i think mm -hmm. he shot some film um, and then the Star Wars, they built the full-size Millennium Falcon. I say Star Wars. What I don't know which one it was, Rogue One or what? Yeah, it was, right. It was but one of them. One of them. <laughs> they built the full-size Millennium Falcon. You know, you get that. You get that weight and the depth and of, of actual, actually turning a corner. That's a real corner, not a CGI corner. Yeah. George Miller with uh, Mad Max. I mean, they so much oh. of that was built and was real. I mean, just phenomenal what they did with the cars and all the mm. detail. But. Fortunately, those kind of guys are still around and are still making, or they're kind of helping bring it back a little bit. Yeah. Kodak said, the guy from Kodak said that they are opening up, they're routinely now, it's a regular thing, they're now opening more and more developing labs around the country. It went down to where they had like one place and you mm -hmm. had to send it into one or two places. He said, no, now we're opening more satellite places to develop film because more people are shooting film. And I don't want to say digital's bad or wrong, I'm just saying we're now not excluding film which is nice. We'll get that look of film. And in digital, I think eventually we'll be able to look more and more like film. Um, and what's amazing to me is that film actually does have, a, it's, it's, it can carry a 4K image. Yeah. It's just that we couldn't project that image before. So, I mean, a lot of technical things that I don't know, but I just know that film can hold, it can truly hold the detail. Mm -hmm. um, and now it's good to see that, that it is coming back to some degree and that maybe we can have some hybrid or something. Yeah. And with guys building, all the stormtroopers, I think, were had had uniforms and stuff mm -hmm. or at least a good part of them i think people are seeing the value in that and so hopefully we sweet it's a pendulum we're all the way over to cgi <laughs> and that's all we're building and then it's like well maybe and so now and then maybe we'll hit this middle ground where we can truly have this incredible experience of the old world if you will of making things and things are tangible and those props exist after the movie's over so that we can go see them mm -hmm. right remember planet yeah. hollywood i think was probably the first place to really start bringing in props have you, yeah. have you been to them oh yeah oh right? yeah and so they brought them in and so suddenly it's like they had value i mean they didn't have much value we couldn't take stuff but a lot of times they didn't care they would just throw them away because there weren't comic cons there weren't collectors there they we didn't have that well we didn't have the internet so people weren't looking at stuff right and now so hopefully we can have the old world mm -hmm. and have props left over after a movie to look at and to travel around and we can all enjoy it and have great CGI and marry all these things together and you know because I mean I think we're seeing some of it our uh, altered carbon I don't know if you've seen that series. yes it had great stuff in there and uh, I talked to I talked to a guy who was actually in altered carbon he's at he's here really Richard Ian Cox is actually in our our altered carbon and he said somebody's apartment I believe it's all practical it's all real a lot of it was CGI, a lot of the stuff in the space, or not space, but was floating, you know. They exactly. To, that stuff CGI, but he said they actually built the entire set, actually was 
was a practical. Nice. So I, I'm seeing it happening, and I think it'll just get better and better as you know, as we just sort of go. No, I think there was value in the old stuff, and there's value in the new. Let's marry it together and make the best product, not get stuck making it in one world or the next. You there know, you or go. Or the other. So yeah, I freaking love it. Well, cool. Crit, thank you so much for for coming on. I I'm going to be I I I'm I'm going to be talking your ear off. <laughs> Cool. Great, let's do it. I love yeah, it. it's like that was great. But yeah, uh, how can more people see more examples of your work or anything that you might be, you know, getting ready to go and start working on? Um, probably just my IMDb page, Crit Killen at IMD uh, with IMDb. Um, it's Crit C R I T Killen K I L L E N. There you go. So, there you right. go. See, I, see, I, I, I survived this time around. You did. I, I survived. You survived it, man. <laughs> yeah, there Thanks you go. so much. No worries, man. And to y'all, we'll talk to y'all later. You gotta stay on brand. Exactly. So yeah. So so when we um, when we have uh, these long road trips, we talk about stuff like okay. So why do we as humans like um, androids and the non-human becoming human? Right. You know what's the deal there? Because like that's uh, I put uh, someone from the USS Rendezvous on there on that Mm -hmm. panel Mm -hmm. specifically because of the data right angle because there's that's very much a part of their sure. um, their thing and but but like with Inuyasha uh, it's it's a half demon half human right and the demons don't like him and the humans don't like him right but it's that evolution of humanity that <laughs> oh yeah it's going, are you recording yeah, oh yeah, yeah it's going <laughs> <laughs> is this thing but it's it's that evolution of why do we need that non-souled Mm-hmm. Or or that lesser soul, not human person, because then we always feel that need to have that oh that superiority where we're teaching them to feel, or that right. we're teaching them to be more human. And why is that important to us? Right. I think it's also a, a question of reflection. Mm-hmm. So you want to see humanity reflected back in its most positive sense, right? Like iRobot and all of yeah, these yeah, sort of yeah. things. You want to see a, an innocence. Uh, almost a start over, a reboot yeah. of you know what what we as humanity sort of are because I think we're we're uh, we're pretty great as a species, but we're also <laughs> pretty horrible, and and I think most yeah. of us are aware of of that. So I think that you know it's it would be nice to be able to clean the uh, it would be nice to be able to clean the slate yeah of our evils and sort of start over. And I think that's probably what. Yeah, you know, robots or you know, uh, is, half is, humans or partial humans or humanoids. I think that's yeah. what that brings us. Right. I think that's why they're almost always adult sized too. Yeah. You don't get child sized. Uh, In AI, you did. Steven Spielberg's yeah, AI. I, AI, AI did. You did. But like Kyle XY that Allison was or April was on. Yeah. Um, it was about a kid who's like 16, 17, right. 18 years old, because having that full grown means that with that childlike innocence. Makes yeah, it yeah, feel yeah. like we we can as adults start right. over. I think. Yeah, yeah, totally, and it, yeah, totally. And there's always a moment where they realize how horrible humanity is. Exactly. In every movie, yeah, it's a bit of a trope, but like you know, uh, Fifth Element was that you know. Yeah. And it's just over and over again. So yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't know. I mean, you know, particularly the world you're looking at right now. Yeah. I would imagine that you know that's maybe where that need is sort of anchored. We were we were talking in the panel yesterday about how we really want the Star Trek people to get us back on the correct timeline because <laughs> we uh, we apparently had an issue and she traced it back 
to, or actually uh, Marlies uh, Tasker chased, traced it back to the Cubs winning the World Series. <laughs> we think that's when the divergence happened. Is that what it is? Yeah. So now we have to go back and keep their streak intact so that we can get right. our timeline back. No, the American timeline. I'm th- globally, I think there's been some issues yeah, exactly. for, for a few thousand I, I, I'm, years. See, now I'm sitting here going like, wait a second. So was the main culprit supposed to be back to the future then? Yeah, where it right. gave us that hope and then we, we actually made that a real it, thing yeah. and then all of a sudden that's where things went away? I, right, I hope so. not. I hope not because, you know, one of the things I really like about it is all of the future tech. We, right. like, nearly have all of it. Sure. So so it's like that's convenient. So we've got sort of hoverboards and we've got the the, the We've got shoes things called hoverboards. We've got things called hoverboards. Those are very <laughs> different. Yes, yeah. but the thing is is that they said, well, we could do it, but then liability insurance. Right. And we don't want to get sued. And we're like, Aw. Right. You can take it. (laughs) Right. We'll give you the money to cover the insurance. (laughs) Look, this is the same country of people that, you know, a Boba Fett toy just mysteriously started having people choking on something. So... I don't give people oh, any credence to like, yeah. oh, no, we've got it. We'll handle it. Like, no, yeah. we couldn't yeah. handle a toy. You guys, yeah, it's yeah. Kinder Eggs are illegal down here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we seem to have <laughs> lost nobody to a Kinder Egg so far, but yeah. it's a major yeah. concern How down in the here. world has Canada not lost <laughs> thousands of children <laughs> to Kinder Eggs? To kinder Eggs, yeah. We have. We just don't <laughs> We don't, don't tell anybody. We just don't sue yeah, anybody don't, over we it don't somehow. Yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> it's a big national secret. <laughs> The, con- the Canadian conspiracy. Yeah. Yes, Kinder Egg. Yeah. That's uh, that's new. Okay. Yeah, that's what it. That's, that's, it all comes from that. Oh anyway, God. anyway, Stephen, you were asking us about how we choose to cosplay our characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, so oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I think you're right. I think that um, insoles in the shoes is absolutely vital, and I'm, I forget how we got to cybernetics from that, but uh, yeah, you're right. Like, okay, you know <laughs> what? I, I take it, I take it all the way back from you know an older movie. I'm gonna get you sucker, where it's like the bunions are about four times too big for the shoe. Oh yeah. I yeah. took it all the way from there. Mm-hmm. Now bringing it into my con days. Now, yeah, I just don't want oversized feet due to like my feet hurt from standing all day. Oh yeah. You know. I was telling Crit just a few minutes ago that when you do a con, uh, mm-hmm. the cosplayers all know this. Yep. But when you do a con, insoles mm-hmm. and support hose. Yep. Yep. Right. Those yeah. are the two things I've been missing. Yeah. yeah. You, you don't <laughs> know how much of a difference it makes until right. you, you wear it. Right. And then the second you do, you're like, why don't I wear this all the time? Right. Yeah. Right. That and also having an extra pad for the seat, yeah. which I wasn't able to go and do for this one, but when I went out to RTX out over in Austin, having like an extra pad for sitting down all day long, oh my mm. God, helps right. so it, Are good they on. gel? Right. Yeah, it's like just so having do a little jet, the, Do you get the, um, the drag queen ones? No. Oh, man. No. Those, oh, they are designed to give you some good booty. Oh, they actually go in your your clothing. Yeah. Just oh, no, I see. I do the ones that are just on top of the seat. I see, yeah. I see, yeah. yeah. No, these are, these are like, a, like a girdle that really? you can pull on. They give you, like, oh. and it's a gel, so it, it moves right. Oh, wow. And it is nice to sit on. Wow. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I haven't come across that yet. You know, trust me, all of these things, right. all of us cosplayers have, have like, experimented mm-hmm. for decades. Gotcha. It's like, whatever's the most comfortable is usually just like, okay, how, how can I go and have this with more comfort? Okay, there we right. go. And mm-hmm. we'll do everything 
and anything to be able to achieve that. I've so. never actually cosplayed anything. How is that yeah. possible? I don't even have like you done Halloween. Halloween? No, <laughs> okay. I don't even like say. Halloween. Oh, why not? I sort of, I, it's I always joke that it's sort of like asking people like if 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 you worked at Safeway and suddenly they had a like a national Safeway day where everyone <laughs> pretended they. They worked at Safeway. Maybe you wouldn't be as into. I don't know. I know. I, I. I'm just. I've never been that into. When uh, man, I was younger a little mm-hmm. bit, you know. But like, I never. Every year I go is a guy from my neighborhood. Oh, is the really? joke that, that I always go okay. as. That's a cosplay. Yeah, awesome. I wear my. I wear my uh, plaid, my camo, and stuff. So this <laughs> year, my my second daughter is going as me for Halloween. And then you're I going always, as one of your. Neighbors. I always wear. Yeah, I always just wear my sort of my redneck stuff. And, uh, which is comfortable and it's you it know, warm. Hit, you've already hit the yeah, first sentiment warm. of cosplay. Yeah. Yeah. Like, right. That's right. Oh, yeah. and the other thing, he's got pockets. See, pockets. Yeah, pockets. Okay. You know, that's that's the thing. I've I've taken to wearing sweatpants because I can actually put my phone in these mm-hmm. pockets. Because girls gotcha. don't get pockets. No. Right. You know, you got to demand pockets. I we do. Right. And you know what happens? Oh, that doesn't that doesn't right. let the right, line right, flow. Right. It's right. like. Honey, I don't right. care about my lines. I care right. about my phone. There's right. a convenient way to go and get around that. It's called having oversized props. The yeah. amount of props that I make, yeah. it's like if you've got a huge old hammer, it's like in compartment. Oh, there. Now you can put everything inside yeah, there. Yes, so here's right. my entire purse. Yeah. Yep. yep. Um, That's a good idea. You know, there's there's so many little sneaky tricks that you learn mm-hmm. for for doing all of this stuff. Like there was this gal uh, at the um, uh, Worldcon. I, I regularly judge... Workmanship judge the uh, the costume contest. Right. And so um, we were looking at this guy, at, at this gal, and she was Dale Evans to Flash Gordon. Gotcha. And so, um, and it was Flash Gordon for president. We're like, okay, we'll go with that. But these people, oh my God, I love them so much, but they're all insane because they bead yep. everything. Right. Okay. And I'm talking, you're on a stage the size of the Grand Canyon. Yep. And we're at least 20 feet away from you, and mm-hmm. the audience is farther than that. So, why are you beating anything? Right. But it's because they know we're going to look at it. Sure, up close. sure, sure. Yeah. So, when she built in into her beaded uh, dress a pocket just the size for her phone. Nice. <laughs> and it just slipped right in there, and you Perfect. didn't even know it because the reflective surface yeah, like, yeah. completely hit it. Fantastic. And it's like. I hate that we have to be sneaky like that. <laughs> another one, another one. I judged a Cinderella mm-hmm. that was um, she put in deep seated pockets. We have these big uh, mm-hmm. badges, right? And she had her badge, her wallet, her phone, mm-hmm. and her um, her her. You know, it was one of those wallets like this. Right. You know, yeah. that that's like two by two feet yeah. long, and she just had that sucker in there. It did not change the line. Wow. Of her skirts wow. at all. And we were like, all right, we need to, we can't, but we want to see the inside of it. <laughs> right. So we want to see how you set that up. That's that insane. Because that was epic. But well, yeah, we will do anything as customers. We will do anything. We oh, lived, uh, well, I lived crap. in Alberta for a long time, for a, for a few years. And Alberta is like right over Montana. It's cold. Mm-hmm. It's very cold in the winter. And uh, when you do Halloween, it's normally cold it's so uh, oftentimes snows on the ground at that yeah. point yeah. so you are whatever your costume is with a parka on yeah. top <laughs> until you're a teenager little, and you just freeze your ass off until you get whatever <laughs> but my um this was when one halloween it was when uh, uh return of the jedi had come out uh-huh. mm-hmm. and so my friend's mom made him an ewok costume 
and oh. made it big enough to fit over his parka, nice. and it was like all warm and padded. And he was like, "This is the this is the deal." He loves this, like, this is, is, this is, is the new standard yeah, <laughs> until he had to wear it at school, and, and then, then he yeah. lost ten pounds just sweating. Yeah, because yep. they will open malls up. Like mm-hmm. in the colder parts of Canada for uh, for Halloween for trick or treating, right? Yeah, they so do that just here do too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's which is a great idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yeah, we've got. Um, I don't know. Do you know D'Artagnan Richards? Out of Salt Lake. Very yeah, familiar. Yeah, he's tall. Oh, yeah, 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 tall yeah, yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. Where's yeah. the Wookiee outfit? Yeah. Okay, so this guy. Oh my God, I, I want him here, but he refuses to come as a guest because he says I don't have I don't have any skills I, to be a guest at. Dig this. Do you know what it is to tie a wig or ventilate yeah, a wig? Yeah. Okay. He tied a Wookiee. Oh, wow. The whole yeah. thing. All human hair, top to bottom. He did pants and a shirt so that he could take the pants off to use the bathroom. Right. But then he unfortunately put suspenders on the pants right, to right, hold right. them up. He does the stilts. Right. And he has the shirt over that. And I'm like, dude, you, how do you, so how do you, and he goes, I just don't drink water. And I'm going, no, <laughs> no, but. <laughs> it's it's a it's a legit fur suit because you know it's mm-hmm. it's made entirely wow. it's it's a fur right, but unlike fur suits that are made out of polyester fur, yeah, it's all human hair and It'll he did breathe, it yeah. he did it over yeah. the stuff that that mesh stuff that laundry bags are yeah, made out yeah, of yeah 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 and so it's it has nothing but air and breathing unreal and it's yeah, he yeah, says yeah, oh yeah. yeah I never have any problem with this so. it's such a brilliant design but oh, yeah. every single strand is there on purpose. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, wow. And when you say, yeah, how long did it take you to tie that wig? This wig, it took me 15,000 hours. Uh, how long did it take you to, to do this suit? It's like, what year is this? <laughs> That's yeah. a level of de- dedication. I, I don't know. know if I have. I've always been oh, very God. impressed with a lot of the builds. Like my uh, my wife sews a lot and she, she, she makes a lot of stuff. But her sister is a, a designer, pattern drafter, and a seamstress. And she uh, has her own label, but she also works Ooh. for another label. And the label that she did some stuff for recently actually just sold. Uh, Meghan Markle bought one of their things, nice. so it sort of exploded, and they just wound up at New York Fashion Week mm-hmm. doing uh, very nice. Yeah, yeah, doing sort of private shows, and they had a runway, and the whole thing. So her workmanship is astonishing and really brilliant. And um, uh, she made our daughters before our sons came along. She made the the two girls, our older girls. Um, play clothes like just play outfits out of like just gorgeous silk you know like unbelievable like like period piece play outfits like out of duchess silk that she had left over off of a a bolt you know so like yeah there's some pretty (laughs) some pretty cool stuff there was a one of my second daughter's friends had a uh, a birthday party and it was a frozen themed birthday party and so one of the outfits just happened to look just like um like uh, elsa uh not elsa the anna Anna, yeah, yeah, and so she's like completely sort of, you know, she looks amazing in this thing. It was just, it was hilarious. Yeah, so it just happened to look just like her, same color hair, kind of thing. So, just rocked it. Yeah, it was amazing. That is so cool. Yeah, there's some amazing. There's uh, absolutely amazing. Um, what's his name? Um, he does uh, costuming for um, for Cirque du Soleil. Uh, oh, I know uh, who you're talking about, um, but I can't remember his name right now. We're on Facebook together. This is embarrassing. Anyways, uh, but he does incredible work. Is that um, Jed Roth? Yes, yes, yeah. thank you. Yes. Mm. So um, he does an incredible, very, very cool incredible work. And, and I, uh, I remember we wound up at Animazement one year and he came over and he said, you gave my, he made four, I can't remember what the show is for, but they were beautiful. They looked like, you know, um, uh, um, 
like French Revolution era dresses, like oh gorgeous, wow, that is a lot of work. And yeah. uh, and did and he says you gave me the uh, the judge award for the thing because like they didn't win first, and I was like <laughs> talking to the other judges going. Are you insane? Mm-hmm. Like the workmanship on that is incredible. They're like, yeah, but it's not our favorite show. So it's it's like, like, I don't uh, care. That was incredible. Is, the work was incredible. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't an amazement that happened. It was at a different con, but he came to me in amazement and said, you know, you gave me, yeah, Jess, yeah. So yeah. you gave me uh, the the uh, your choice award for that. I was like, well, yeah, there's no <laughs> two ways about it. Like they were unbelievable. You know, yeah, I've yeah. seen, I've seen, I've seen his work. We were at um, Anime Land a couple of years ago, and. Um, he does this one panel called Lip Sync for Your Life. Right, yeah. <laughs> and it is so fun. And there were two people up there doing the, uh, I won't say I'm in love, from from uh, Hercules. Right, right. And it's like, for some reason, they were both trying to do the Meg part. And it's like, why in the world would you both be trying to do the Meg part? Because I can tell you right now, if I'd been up on that stage, I would have been the chorus. Right. Because... I would have, like, knocked that out of the park. I would have stolen the spotlight completely because it's a little competition right. of, of the two people. But why would you both be trying to sing the same part? Right. And it's like, oh, no. No, if you've got a, if you've got a hot backup, you exactly. run with that. Right. Exactly. And, and the chorus is so great. But he was so much fun. It yeah, reminded yeah. me I really wanted to get him out to a show. I, and now I yeah, remember that. Yeah, he'd be that. great. He's fantastic. Yep. Like as a like for cosplay stuff. Yeah. yeah. Unbelievable. One of the one of the people that we had at the contest last night was um, a young guy from uh, the area named Aiden. And he, this guy, I am like watching him. He did the Cloud Strife that had the giant sword. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that guy, that was his first costume he made himself. Nice. Okay. He, on the bolts on the Mm. shoulder, he wrapped those threads out of soldering wire to look like, they're not bolts. Right. He made fake bolts that looked like real bolts. Right. And I was looking at this going, look. Come here. <laughs> but I mean, we're talking like this close, and mm. I couldn't tell they weren't real bolts right. until he told me that he wrapped those himself. Yeah. And I was right. like, holy crap. But the thing that he did that was amazing, that I want to see more of, is he brought a ring of the fabrics and a chunk about, you know, three inches square of the layers of mm. how he put together the that sword. That's really right, right, right. So we, as judges, had, yeah. what, had all of this here so we could feel what he made it out exactly of the and knew exactly what it was and it was brilliant I've never had someone bring those mm-hmm. those aids mm-hmm. um, and he did all the documentation right that kid that kid is is cruising for master class yeah. well it's like that and I remember seeing his actual sword and yeah, yeah. I like I said, that that's my wheelhouse. I love props, and yeah. I it's like, and I love making those. And that's something we're seeing is sword. I'm, I want to sit there like, okay, you're already going this way. Start using this method. Yeah, yeah, Start, yeah. you know, you're you're using foam. That's great, but use it in this way. You're gonna get a lot better effects at it because it seems like he actually wanted. He to really get better, does. You his, know, his mom made him an Ezio uh, mm-hmm. outfit last year from mm-hmm. uh, Assassin's Creed. And it was uh, beautifully, masterfully done. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, she won for for that because, like, every single detail was right. spot on. Right. And the amount of study that goes into the detail work, especially in, like, an animated 
thing, yep. something that mm-hmm. is not real. It's one thing when you're watching a movie and you, you yeah. do this, but when you're doing a video game or when you're doing an, uh, an animation, yeah. there are so many things. Like I tried to make a, a Kelty helmet mm-hmm. from from uh, Durarara, and every angle, every still, like the ears look like this, but then from this angle they look like this, which can't happen if you're looking yep. at the side one. Right. And then you look at the back one and they can't do that either. Right. So you have to figure out which one it is. Sure. And you either decide, screw it, and I make my own that works. Yeah. Or you pick one and it's extrapolate. When you're so when you're doing stuff like that to get the details down that hard, it is an act of Congress mm-hmm. to get it down right. And this kid just nailed it. Good for him. I, I think we definitely need to have you as a workmanship judge next year. Uh, uh, yeah. What I do, <laughs> I do this panel called Build Your Dream Cosplay. Right. And what I'll do is have a prop person, mm-hmm. and I'll have like an electronics person, and I'll have a fabric person on it. And those people, because a lot of times you like focus on your thing, mm-hmm. and you don't remember that there are other aspects. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when someone's trying to build something, you only think in your thing. I had a steampunk guy who was telling these people to make things out of plywood. Now I went, no, don't listen to him. Mm-hmm. Because none of that is necessary. That no. weighs 57 pounds. You don't mm-hmm. want any of that. So, but when we were all together talking, then we could like, well, wait a minute. This works really well for me mm-hmm. when I did this. And it's like, yeah. And if we combine that with and mm-hmm. this other one to make mm-hmm. Voltron, exactly. then now we right, get this right, really right. cool Voltron. Cool. Yeah, that makes sense. Very so much anyway, back to your voice acting that we were talking <laughs> <Right>. about. <laughs> yes. Okay. Before we got distracted by shoes. Right. <laughs> well, it's like, but, but you might at least want to let people know who's on the podcast because oh. in true crack brain fashion, we have gone 20 minutes without even. Right. This is a normal thing for this podcast. Right. Oh, not a problem. <laughs> right. This, this is, you just have to do an intro lead-in. This, this is <laughs> on the show today. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is Richard Ian Cox. He played uh, the voice of Inuyasha and mm-hmm. Ranma One Half mm-hmm. and. Who else? Uh, Rabbit on Dino is- Trucks and uh, and uh, Sir Awesome on um, on uh, Spy Kids and uh, Kevin on Super Noobs and Quicksilver nice. on X Men Evolution and Snails on My Little Pony and Grandpa <laughs> Gruff on My Little Pony and Featherweight on My Little Pony and uh, a bunch of other things. Yep. Yeah, cool. Love it. And and I am Eva Longoria. Uh, I am an actress. Uh, I used to actually be the drummer for the Violent Femmes for a little right while. Right on. Too. That's pretty so, great. Uh, and That's this fantastic. is Steven. Um, right he on. makes props. So, yeah. <laughs> so props sounds to you. about right. It sounds right. about right. I enjoy your universe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I, already hearing the, it's like hearing that cast list as far as, as far as voice acting, as, as someone that is, tried voice acting in the past. Now I'm sitting here going like, yep, I did that as an audition piece. I did that as an audition piece. So I've right. done a lot of your voices. Oh, good. good. Did you do them good? Right. No. <laughs> Not Tuss- at all. Well, tonally, we're obviously in the same area. Go ahead and try oh, it. I, I want to hear your, I want to hear your no, that, rendition of well, Richard. That was when I was younger and the voice wasn't as deep. I can, right. like, I tried, I tried doing the Kagome Oh right, oh, really? yeah. Recently, I can't do it anymore. Right, my Fair voice enough. is. How did it, try it? I wouldn't it's, hear you as a ma- a masculine Kagome. I do it, do it, do I it, can't. do it, do Let's it. See, can I? He'll, get he'll do. You, he'll he'll call your name and you say Inuyasha. Oh, you're doing Kagome's voice. 
Oh, I can't, no, no, I can't no, no, do wait. Kagome. You were doing Inuyasha saying I can, Kagome. Gotcha. I, can, I, I tried doing Inuyasha saying Kagome. You, you do Kagome <laughs> saying Inuyasha. Oh, sure. Inuyasha! <laughs> yeah, it's like for me, it's Kagome! You see, my yeah, voice cracks at that. Crack, you start pinching. Yeah. I can, it's like, oh, I can't gosh. get that. So that's why I stay, I stay within my register, which is yeah. selling people cars. There you go. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. The, the, uh, the movie, uh, the, the guy on the boy, oh, God, now I just lost who that was. It's the guy that does um, Honest Trailers. You know, the oh, Honest John Trailer Bailey. Guy? John okay. Bailey, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. he's just, he's hilarious. I'm checking to make sure I'm not keeping you from a panel. We got one at noon. Yeah, one at noon is 11.28. I think I have to check out of my room before then, too. <laughs> <laughs> I, think I think they're kind of okay. No, uh, no, you do go back today. I yeah, forgot I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah. We lose him today. This is like yeah. my only oh. opportunity to actually talk with you. I know, it's crazy. Well, it's, okay, so, so how, how's okay. your experience been for this week? Because I've had a fantastic time. Ohio's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> no, Idaho's great. I, I've had a good time. It's, uh, like I said, we, we booted up the highway to Idaho Falls yesterday to go and see my, uh, my father-in-law's sort of birthplace. It's where mm-hmm. he's from. And, uh, and, you know, everybody's been so nice. And we've got a little bit of a chance to go see stuff. Uh, we went to uh, that brew pub in town for dinner, ooh, ooh. Um, at uh, which was nice, which was all right. Yeah. Uh, I think it's Portneuf um, Brew Pub or whatever it is. Nice. And, um, Sorry, sorry. No. Didn't, mean, didn't mean to distract everybody. Someone just walked up with the new Vulpix that's the Alolan Vulpix on her shoulder, and I tried very hard not to make a really high pitched noise. In the right, fair enough. Anyway, back to what yeah. you were saying. Uh, no, it's it's uh, it's great. It's been nice, and so uh, hopefully, you know, it's a con that gets to grow. There we go. Which would be good. Yeah, I would like that. That would be awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do that. I I like Richard's idea. I think we should all try that one. Okay, so yeah. so so that that's the benchmark to hit for next year is basically it's, just make this grow. Yeah, just okay. make this grow. I've got my work cut out for me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm so hurt. Yeah. No, we we would uh, we we've been talking about we were up until one o'clock last night talking about um, next year mm-hmm. and how we're going to do this. Because, of course, we were. Because um, we had to be here at 8 o'clock, 7 o'clock. Because, right. you know. So, of course, we're going to be up until 2. Um, and we're, we're, we've got the, on the website, we have the new uh, map layout for this, mm-hmm. for next year. Mm-hmm. Um, Mike had people at the door this morning saying, shut up and take my money. Right. Yeah. For next year. Um, we've got, we've, we've shortened the rows so right. that's, there's a lot more visibility sure the pipe and drape is something that is it's costly but right. it really makes the show look professional sure you know i mean you can you can you can do without it but then it always looks like you mm-hmm. decided to take the cheap route right yeah. and and right. so at least for for conventions we wanted to make sure that Pocatello had something that looked like a a big con right and we were hoping that you know people seeing a setup like this would be able to see what they could do for their own show, uh, right. their own shows, and really look for that professional yeah. level. Well, it's like definitely having that setup where you know you can walk down this aisle, focus mm-hmm. on everything that's right here, yeah. and then when you finally make it to the other side, you still see glimpses of like, oh, what's that? Okay, I actually have to walk you know, around. You know, I never mm-hmm. really thought of it like that because that's not something I had considered. But you're right. At least this way you can focus because if they're all open like that you see something you know 35 feet away mm-hmm. that you are 
going, oh yeah, and I still need to look at that. And then you stop looking at everything else. So that's actually right. a good point. I never thought of that. Mm-hmm. I will bring that up at the meeting. Yes. <laughs> adding, a- adding in the little, little benefits where I can. Oh, I'll mention right. it to the board of directors before my beating. Right. So. <laughs> there you go. No, no okay. I, I, I do have a question specifically about Inuyasha. As someone that grew up, Hearing your voice right. every, 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 every single day. What was it like, actually, like, when actually getting the sides as far as Inuyasha going, like, wait, who am I supposed to be again? Right. Mm-hmm. How, okay, let, let's do this. <laughs> like, for the audition or for the actual? Yeah, it's like, first the audition, yeah. Uh, well, we had come off of, we were still doing Ranma mm-hmm. when, um, when we found out about uh, Inuyasha. Uh, same because it was Viz, and so the same producer Toshi Yoshida mm-hmm. was uh, going to be doing the English dub for Inuyasha that had done uh, Ranma, and so I got a chance to sort of see artwork and and um, and uh, and get an idea of what the show was about, sort of through him, which was good. And so I mean, I still had to come in and audition. I still had yeah. to go in and put stuff down, and there were lots of good people that had laid down auditions as well but you know uh to be able to have a chance to look at it and and know a little bit about it and have an an understanding of the sort of the feel of it because of having come from another uh rumiko takahashi show um it wasn't so foreign to us you know and we were sort of already into a place where we were suspending disbelief you know on that show i had a dad it turned into a panda (laughs) i turned into a woman and you know, uh, so there was all a kind of, you know, insanity that was already there built in. So uh, so it was certainly it was I loved the concept of it. I thought the concept was great. It didn't seem too silly or too weird. Um, it all sort of made sense because any any kind of fantasy thing, you know, as long as the the um, uh, uh, what do you call it? Well, as long as you're as long as you buy into the fantasy yeah. of it. As long as you understand the theology, if you will, of it, then, you know, and anything's possible. Right. But as long as it's well thought out, uh, then I think that um, um, it, it makes sense within its own world. Exactly. If you're walking into something and it's not thought out and it's just like, oh, yeah, 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 and then such and such a thing happens and it's all so crazy, right. then um, I think then that is harder to... That's harder to sort of um, buy into, if yeah. you will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. So one of, one of the reasons why I say that is is because like at that time, I was living in Japan, right? <laughs> um, as a kid, and that was something where more of, it's like more of us were actually watching the dub, right? Like Inuyasha and the dubs right. of you know Dragon Ball Z than right. we actually were watching the actual you know sure. the, the raw versions sure 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 right there and that was something where that helped revitalize revitalize so much of our love for anime and then actually right. voice acting and now right. seeing where all of that is going it's like yourself and so it's like and everyone that was basically on those shows have now in my opinion become like the the forefathers of <laughs> it's like right. uh, of these dubbed animations <laughs> that's why it's like I, I, I was willing to know more about like did you know that your voice was going to become so iconic? Right. Uh, well, you know, I think we did the first sort of episode or two, and I think you you knew that it was going to be something mm-hmm. special. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously you didn't know that it was going to become sort of all of what it became. Exactly. But, uh, but you sort of had a sense that, okay, this is going to be something that's going to be, you know, pretty cool. Because we knew that we were going to get on to... Um, Adult Swim. We knew that we were actually yeah. going to get airtime, whereas a lot of stuff in those days wasn't getting no. 
television play, right? You had Dragon Ball was starting to get TV play, and and uh, but Ranma was all video release. It wasn't mm. there was nothing on television for any of that stuff. So and Sailor Moon was on TV, and you saw Astro Boy, and you saw you know Speed Racer, but those were all kind of a previous generation of it all, right? And Robotech and all that kind of stuff. I don't mm. even think Robotech was on television. I think maybe no, that no, was just I saw all, it on television. Was it, it was, on TV? Okay, it was the first place I ever saw a character actually die. Right, right, right. Yeah, right. and I mean, I prior to that, it had always been GI Joe, where you sure. know the whole thing blows up except for Everybody's these five parachutes. Yeah, and, they're all good. You know, and and I had never experienced right. loss in a cartoon. Sure, sure. And sure. I was un, unaware yeah. that it could even be. A, it, I didn't think it was allowed. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, it was. The, there's certainly game changers for sure. Yeah, I definitely. always used the English dub for mm-hmm. Inuyasha as my argument for there's nothing wrong with dubs. Oh, because no. No. a lot of oh a lot of uh, people are like total purists. No, it's either in the original Japanese, which I don't understand. You know, mm-hmm. I realize I, I I might someday understand it. Right. But the truth is that the tonal inflections don't make sense to me because I didn't grow up in Japan. Right. So it's just really really fast and really really angry talking all the time. Whereas right. when you were doing, you know. Oh, I can't believe this! You know, that, yeah, yeah, that we're yeah. having to go through this, yeah. and it just the 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 sarcastic inflection or all that stuff was, it made sense to me. Sure. So, I was I've always appreciated your dubbing of right. Inuyasha because they made the references uh, appropriate for yeah. America, yeah. which was really helpful. Yeah. The the things that you did, the things that the things that were said, the way they were said, were all things I could relate to. Mm-hmm. So. I appreciated the dub yeah. so well, much. And I always say, you know, in Japan, they, they animate first and they voice second, so <laughs> it's a dub, too. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. <laughs> and, in fact, you know, in a lot of shows, our flaps actually match a little <laughs> tighter than theirs do mm-hmm. just because they record as a group. Mm-hmm. And no, it's not taken away from the performance no, at all. Their no. performances mm-hmm. are great and amazing, and, and uh, they put just as much love and effort into mm-hmm. uh, their work as we do. Uh, you know, and so if you love, but the be, you know the thing is, if you like subs, then watch subs, and if you like dubs, then watch dubs. Mm-hmm. So we have exactly. a weird culture now where it's like everybody's got to like everything the exact same way that I've got to yeah. like it, no. which is the dumbest thing in the world. No. You know, no, you just got to accept everybody else, yep. uh, and get along with everybody else, and you have to allow people to like what they like. There's a lot of gatekeeping that goes on in general. There's a lot of yeah. very specific gatekeeping that goes on from like angry dudes mm-hmm. online mm-hmm. toward everybody else, which pisses me off. Mm-hmm. Um, Thank you for that. And you don't get to say that, you know, somebody else's opinion is not relevant or somebody else's experience is not relevant. You don't get to determine how much of a fan somebody else is over you. And even if they're not as much of a fan as you are, it doesn't have any relevance to how much you're enjoying the thing, nor does it have any relevance in terms of how much it means to them just because they don't know the absolute minutia of the stupid show. Yeah. There, there was I don't care. Does it make you feel good? Does it make you laugh? Great. Then I don't give a crap if you don't know what happened in episode 496 <laughs> at minute three. Like, I don't care. Get out yeah. of your house. Like, yeah. go do something. <laughs> like, if you're, you can't be that obsessive about these things to the point where you're trying to exclude everybody else. Yeah. Why, for why, God's why sakes, you... it's a chance to make friends. Exactly. Bring somebody else into your world let them you know like i don't understand it it makes no sense to me did you did you see the article that we had on uh, on the facebook page the other uh last week right. about this guy that like started quizzing a four-year-old on her like of doctor who oh i know yes yeah i saw that. and i was like and i'm just kind of looking at this going 
You what? I know. You are luckier that woman didn't beat you with her shoe. Well, and it's just so dumb, too. Like, beyond that, it's like, yeah. you know, I am I was born in the U.K., mm-hmm. uh, and I'm a Brit, and, you know, so it's hilarious to me that some, you know, middle-aged American dude is quizzing somebody else on one of our shows, yeah, if you really. will. Exactly. You know, like, yeah, really. there's that, like, where how does it suddenly become your fandom? You know, like, it's culturally completely d- different from mm-hmm. your own experience. Mm-hmm. So beyond that, like, let's just, let's keep ourselves in our rows and not like get into somebody else's business about how much they like or dislike something you like it you like it that's it that's the end of the day and that's what i'm saying like if it if it's something that you can put on the tv and it makes you feel good it takes away the world or Mm -hmm. it makes you feel positive after a negative day or it inspires you or whatever i don't care how much you know about it Knowing something about something is does not equate to an appreciation for something. You know, you Very can appreciate so. something without having to know chapter and verse about every element of mm-hmm. it. I can like the Beatles without needing to know every freaking <laughs> master number, you know, of every track they ever recorded. Yeah. Which is just at that point we're just becoming obsessive. Like now you've destroyed your love of it. How can you possibly like something to know that much about it? Yeah. Like it just makes zero sense to me. Yeah, when when your fandom includes a restraining order, I think it's time to <laughs> you know, maybe step yeah, back a little bit. It's just silly. Like, you know, I'm looking forward to the new doctor, I'm looking forward yeah. to whoever is the new bond. I'm looking forward to you know, like does it mean I, I want to see a elbow. reboot of every single show? No. I'd like to see new, you know, content come out. But I'm not going to flame something before I've seen it. Exactly. Um, which so I, I, I and it's interesting, you know, being sort of in the industry as well. It's interesting to see people rabbiting on about stuff and why they hate something before it's even come out without yep. actually knowing anything about how it's actually created. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, nothing reminds me faster that people are full of, you know poo sometimes than going on something like you know movies on reddit or like you know the the movies subreddit and just watch people talk about well i was on a student film once so i'm going to tell you everything about what a dop does or a dp does oh okay right. <laughs> have at it buddy right. <laughs> like, well, it's like that, that that's where i take one of uh one of our local um movie critics what he always says like show me what you got Right. You know, you can look at the trailer. You're going to get snippets, but you're getting what an editor puts forth. Honestly, oh, yeah. you won't know until you actually watch oh, watch a movie. And yeah. like when people are going against Solo, we all saw it. It's like, this is actually a fantastic movie. Yeah, I absolutely like love it. The well, trailer is weird, but the movie is fantastic. And the movie has to exist in its own realm, too. Mm-hmm. Like, yes. does it exist on yes. its own feet? Great. Yes. And do you have to like everything? No. no. But it also means I don't have to flame it and like it's I don't have to hate on it. Exactly. I just didn't like it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's it's okay to just sort of not like something. It's a, it's okay to have problems with a show. It's okay to have issues with a story. That's fine. Uh, I also don't like it when people get so out of court about like you know, storyline, they're not listening to the fans, they don't understand that we don't want them to do this to these characters, I'm like, write a show. Write a show, pitch a show, sell a show, keep a show on the air for eight seasons, then we can start to talk about what you would do with a show. It's great to have an opinion, and it's great to love something so much that you're passionate about it, I'm not taking away from that, but it's, people also don't understand what it takes to actually get something going, get something on the air, keep it on the air, and keep your sort of your studio happy and keep advertisers happy yeah. and keep all these people happy you know it's people don't always understand it's hilarious to me but it's it's and it's it's like it's like uh, region stuff people don't really get they get angry about regions oh it's not in my region I can't it's not fair I should be allowed mm-hmm. to watch everything I want yep. and I get it I understand it 
but it also speaks to the fact that they don't understand how movies are sold. So movies are yes. sold yes. by region. Yes. So I will get a certain amount of money for selling North America. I'll get a certain amount of money for selling Europe. I'll get a certain amount of money. So as soon as we've re reduced regions, I'm losing money. Now, I won't be able to sell it for anything close to what huge studios will do great. You'll never see any more independent features. Exactly. Yeah, and we can't have that because the no. independents were the, the new blood, the new creation. Absolutely. And, but you know, your huge studio pieces, like all the Marvel and all the DC, and it's great and it's entertaining and I like it, mm -hmm. but these things are so big. They're monolithic yes. things. Yes. They're massive, massive properties. They are a hundred million for the show, sometimes two hundred million. If we're really going crazy, they're spending all of that on advertising again, all over. Exactly. If you got a hundred million dollar picture, that's two hundred million. By the time you've advertised it, and yes. got it out there. Yes. Uh, everything is about opening weekend box office yep. and yep. really, yep. Uh, you know, legs if they got it. But if you know, they want it all back in the first two weeks. Yeah. And that, <laughs> yes. Yeah. It, it's it's three and a half years <laughs> of work. It, coming back yeah. all in two weeks. And they will yeah. throw everything at you. Yep. That's why the trailers are unbelievable. Editors mm -hmm. that edit trailers only edit trailers. It's that true. is their job. That's what happened to Suicide Squad. Yeah. Suicide Squad trailer park is the one who did it, right. did the editing. And that's why it looks like nothing but a trailer after trailer after yeah, trailer yeah, yeah. after trailer. Which if they had had an editor that edited films, right. that would that story could have been saved. Well, and it's it's you know the um, I can't remember what it was. I think we it was have we have five minutes before I have gotcha. to show you. I was just about to say, I keep on looking at this. Yeah. I'm like, I yeah, can't. No. Yeah, I got, my, I got my phone out right here. I've been, I've been watching it's, carefully. Uh, it's like when the Star Wars things come out. Like, it, I can't remember if it was, oh, I don't think it was Last Jedi. I think it was um, uh, the one before that. Was Force Awakens? The Force Awakens. I think it was the Force Awakens. That shot of just like the opening on Tatooine and then the Falcon just... And we're swimming for the scrawl. And that's and how people under that's those are people that understand what you want and mm -hmm. they are giving it to you. Mm -hmm. So when people are like, they don't understand the fans, I'm like, no, they yeah, understand they you really they well. They're trying were to you, give you something, but were they're you also in trying the to theater when that happened. Right. There was a screaming. They're trying to give you toys though at the same time. They're exactly. trying to mm -hmm. you because mm -hmm. and it's it's it was exactly what it was when the first one came out. I had all the toys. Like, I saw it in the theater as a three-year-old. It was, you know, I had all the toys. I had all the everything. Uh, there was no less marketing on the first ones than there are on these ones. There was the same... You know, uh, anger about you know Ewoks as there was about Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> but I loved the Ewoks as yeah, a kid. I thought they were because amazing. That's what they were there. Did they I like Jar Jar Binks? No, no. <laughs> but that was a silly character. Uh, but and at the it same wasn't time, made for you, right? It was made it for was the made same for the age. Kids. Kids. And so we've exactly. got to be able it. to segment movies and be able to appreciate them for what they mm -hmm. are, mm -hmm. for, on a cinematic level. Like appreciate the thing for what it is. Not everything is some dark brooding you know yeah. masterpiece of whatever and some stuff is just popcorn fluff and that's okay too it just got to be good popcorn fluff is exactly. all i'm asking yeah that i get the story and it makes sense to itself right right i remember the i remember the super bowl advertised right during the movie right for star wars when right. star wars one came out the trailer for the Super Bowl. Right, right. The Super Bowl advertised because right. it knew it wasn't as big right. as Star Wars. And we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. probably the right marketing yeah, for it. Yeah, totally. But that costs you $5 million. <laughs> Yeah, but, you know, it's well spent if you get it back. If you get it back. Yeah, that's right. the thing, right? So, 
It's been fun. Yeah, I should go check yeah, out. Like I said, thank you so so much for going to be on the podcast. I'm like, okay, all right, this is awesome. <laughs> I'm just gonna, I'm, I'm just not gonna geek out right now. <laughs> you know, I knew, I knew good. that you like, uh, you felt exactly like yeah. I felt when I was told, hey, this guy will come, and I went. <laughs> exactly. Okay. You know, and there's like all of this glass I had to replace at my house. It was really embarrassing. There you go. <laughs> it was really embarrassing, you know. But, but so, luckily, yeah. I will never let him know that. Right. You know, and I will never say that in public, so Keep it won't it be super creepy. Secret. Remember right. that um, restraining order thing we were talking yeah, about? Yeah, you didn't right. let the entire world know. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I let your five listeners, right? right. <laughs> we're moving up in the world. We're moving up. We made six last six. week. Oh, nice. oh, that's right. I listened last week. There we you go. Told me See, too. Yeah, there, you, okay. there you go. <laughs> there you go. So, again, like I said, guys, thank you so much. Thank no, you no, so my much. Pleasure. Right. Thank you Thanks so much. Yeah. Take care. How can I heck when you're already done? Yeah, I, not a problem. I don't know. I think I have something.